and welcome to Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. Just one of the Two Sober Chicks. I guess that's two of us. We're both here. We're two halves of a whole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a lame intro, but anyways. <laughs> but so, we're here and we're into it. I don't know if you folks know this or not, but we have all kinds of social media platforms. One of them, which is my favorite, is Insty. It's yeah. what I call Instagram. And our Facebook. page is at Two Sober Chicks. So today we're going to be discussing a comment that came in from our Instagram page. Okay. So we follow another account called at Sober Grind. And they posted something that said, it's like a little cartoon. Um, when was this? It was very funny. Five days ago. So whatever it was five days ago, June 29th or something. Okay. Um, it's this sort of 50s blue cartoon of a guy smiling with a teacup. Mm-hmm. And in quotes it says, keep coming back. And underneath it says, what I really mean is that you did or said something really stupid. And it's apparent that you belong here and need help from the rest of us because without it, you're fucked. <laughs> and Lisa went in and comment and basically at the end said, thank God I stayed long enough for the miracle of change to begin. And one of our Instagram followers said, how long did it take for the miracle of change to begin in you? Just wondering. Mm. So that's what we're discussing today. All right. When did the miracle of change? Now, I know it's different because in the moment we don't see that it's starting to shift. It's only in hindsight when you're like, okay. Yeah. Um, I think that, I mean, and I, sometimes I hated sharing this because I didn't want to, um, defeat people or take away any hope from them like if they're new and they hear someone like me say the miracle of change didn't happen for the eight years (laughs) (laughs) that might be a little depressing (laughs) but um here's the thing I can take that answer and I can twist it in two ways I can say the miracle of change didn't happen for eight years or I can say the miracle of change began to happen immediately upon doing the work Mm -hmm. so it's a combination of both of those answers And so the reason is, is because when I first got here, um, there was no change in me because I wasn't willing to do the work. Um, Nothing was going to change because I wasn't changing anything about myself internally. Uh, So I was resisting. I was fighting. I hadn't yet surrendered. I wasn't willing to do the work. I wasn't willing to listen to what sponsors had to say. I'd make you think I was listening and then I'd go home and fucking do something else. Like one time I went home and smoked up and got high instead. (laughs) of doing what you suggested which was maybe I shouldn't be dating right now fuck that I don't like that answer my reply is toking (laughs) up and going chin chin AA that's right fuck you I'll do what I want um so yeah that's why the miracle of change took so long but then I noticed the miracle of change began to happen almost instantaneously when I was so broken and so desperate that I said okay I surrender and my surrender looked like calling up my old sponsor telling him honestly everything that had been going on, telling him about all the times I had lied to him, um, you know, when he was telling me to do certain things, that I was doing the opposite, why I'd disappeared from AA for the last year, why he hadn't seen or heard from me, where I'd been, what I'd done, what I was up to. So rigorous honesty happened for probably the first time ever. Um, And then I was willing to do what he told me to do. Because he asked me those two questions, um, are you willing to go to any lengths? 
you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and what's good, what's different this time. That's what he wanted to know. What's different this time. And what was different was that I was finally completely broken, surrendered and was willing to do the things that he suggested. So I started to do what he suggested. I went to meetings. Um, I did the 90 and 90. I had a little plastic thing on my wall and I would do a little, you know, those five checks, mm-hmm. you go line, 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 cross it out, mm-hmm. <laughs> keep going. Like um, the, the way you, t- you tally time in prison. That, exactly. <laughs> Very much like that, Julie. It's a funny correlation you make between the two. Um, and at that time I was self-employed, soon to become bankrupt and unemployed. Uh, so I had time on my hands. I had free time. So I was able to go to two meetings a day, sometimes three meetings a day. Uh, so that helped my tally get up there. Um, and it was kind of exciting and it, and it made me feel good to mark that last check mark of 90 days cool. on, on my calendar. And then I'd write things down on my calendar that he, that he'd say, like, I remember he said, uh, you know how it seems pretty stupid to go to the gym just to pick up a weight, just to put it down again. I'm like, yeah, I hate those people. It's dumb as fuck. And he'd be like, yeah, but eventually you see results. Your muscles get stronger mm-hmm. and you build mass and you get bigger. Oh, okay. And he's like, well, that's kind of like how AA works. You go and you continue to go and you do the work and change happens. So that's what you need to do. So the miracle happened because I think of just being surrendered and willing and opening myself up. And I really feel that that, ha- that began to happen on day one. That in, in itself was a miracle for me. Being willing was a miracle. Yeah. Uh, surrendering was a miracle. Being open to listen was a miracle. Because even though I knew nothing, I thought I knew everything. Yeah. Um, so I would that argue that the miracle of change happened the second you went into the meeting. And then again, when mm. you went back and went back. And, you know, in terms of the biggest um, shift for me in my program happened at step three. Mm-hmm. And that was at five months. But the miracle of change happened that second I walked in and up until that point because I was making friends, I was getting phone numbers, like I wasn't working the program yet, but something started to shift. A community started to emerge around me. Mm-hmm. I started to find hope. Um, I think, but we can only see that when we look backwards because in the moment, it doesn't feel like any change is happening. Yeah. But change is always happening around us. And is that how you would describe the miracle for you? The miracle happened the second I walked in the doors, mm-hmm. but the change like the spiritual awakening happened for me at step three five months in when I was like so broken I just fell to my knees in a chapel Mm. and felt something different like tiny but different and I started to see like um another miracle is me actually um seeing miracles Yes. Seeing evidence of what I feel is a higher power at work in my life. Yes. uh, Instead of just sloughing it off as mere coincidence or happenstance or luck. Um, I used to be one of those people who classified myself as, oh yeah, I have tons of luck. It's just all bad. Mm -hmm. Like all my luck is bad. I'm cursed. Bad luck. That's right. Maybe it's what you're doing, Lisa. Yeah. (laughs) It's It's a consequence of your actions. Your life is a direct result of your actions. Most of it, not all of it. Yes. Some things like, you know, you get in a car accident and maybe you were sober and you were sideswiped by somebody else. That's not, of course, your fault. Uh, You were raped. Not your fault. Things like that. But other things, consequences do uh, follow the result of my actions. I got sidetracked. Now I forget where I was going. Bad luck. Miracles. Oh, um, praying 
So again, that's another, uh, a miracle for me because I wasn't open to that idea, but because of the willingness, because of the surrender, I, I started to pray and I remember, um, just doing it anyway, even though I didn't believe in it. And Luke would say to me, I'm not asking you to believe in anything. I'm just asking you to do this. Yep. Because your way isn't working. So what have you got to lose? I'm like, okay. And I would call him and and he would just say, you need to pray. Have you prayed? No, go do that. Call me back. Mm -hmm. Click. (laughs) Um, Which I hated at the time, but then later I loved, you know, because everybody else had listened to me ad nauseum, go on and on about my problems. But Luke was like, that's not, I'm not sitting in the problem with you. I want to work on the solution. And the solution is yeah. you need to uh, rely on a power greater than yourself. Have you prayed? Oh, I told you to do that. Go do that and call me back. And uh, sometimes I was praying up to, you know, 10 times a day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was 10 times a minute mm-hmm. getting down Been on my there. knees. Yep. Um, I've talked before about the, uh, the bank near bankruptcy story Yeah. where I, um, you know, was trying to figure out what to do. I was trying to sell my business. Uh, I was in a lot of debt and I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. My father, bless his heart, was trying to encourage me to take another loan, a business loan. I'm like, I already sunk my RSP savings into this business and now I have nothing. I don't want to get another loan and get further into debt. But he just had a belief in me, right? Mm -hmm. Like he just said, you can do this. You can Mm -hmm. do this. But my voice inside was saying, no, I can't. No, I'm not a business person. I can't do this. Um, and, uh, so I kept praying and I kept asking for help and I kept saying, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to trust that even if, even if things fall apart and I go bankrupt and I lose all my money, you're going to take care of me, that you, you won't fail me. Mm-hmm. And I trust that. And I'm asking you for help. And sometimes it was just, please help me. I don't know what to do. What's the next right thing. Help me figure out what the next right thing is. And then an idea would come to me and I'd call somebody else. And then that guy called me and uh, offered me a really horrible low amount for my business. And I'm like, well, I might as well go bankrupt. Thanks Mm -hmm. for your help. (laughs) And then I went in the other room and I got down on my hands and knees and I prayed. And I can't remember if that was the first time I'd actually gotten down on my hands and knees. I'd prayed a lot, but I actually did that physical act. And that Mm. was really hard for me because I don't like being subservient to anyone because I've been put in that position so many times in my life. Yeah. That to me, it raises a lot of anger and obstinance. You know, well, can feel like defeat. Yes. Instead of humility. And to feel uh, less than. Mm-hmm. Like, kneeling for me is a representation of being less than. I am lower than you, therefore I must bow down to you. Yes. But. In Which essence, I love that feeling, but we, I do we that. Are, we are less in than front God. Of God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it to a person. Right. I mean, eventually I will to my husband because I believe in mutual humility and surrender. Not that kind of getting down on your knees, Lisa. Although I'm not opposed to it. That's not the context that I'm speaking about right now. See, we're so in simpatico. She knows exactly what I'm thinking when I roll my eyes. Yeah, and she put her tongue in her cheek. So I got a visual. Yes, I will do that for my husband also. But I believe in the covenant of marriage and mutual submission. So, but... What you're talking about is like a forced feeling of humiliation yes. and defeat and powerlessness. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't like that feeling. But that, I think, I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that was the first time I actually went down and I dropped on, it's not here anymore, but I used to have a prayer pillow like that one over mm. there on the floor. And I dropped down on my knees and I clasped my hands and I just begged, begged, begged for help. 
please help me. I don't know what to do. And a few minutes later, that phone call came in and he bought my business Mm -hmm. to the penny. Mm -hmm. So I was zero dollars in debt. And I get chills still when I tell that story because I really do feel for me, that was like, oh my God, this is a miracle. Yeah. This something like this has probably happened to me before, but I'd never recognized it before. And there was a direct correlation to you've just prayed, you've just surrendered. You've just done something that you've never done before in front of a higher power. And here is a result. It was like this really cool. And I'm one of those people too, who it was really hard to believe in something without proof. Mm -hmm. Right. We always want as human beings, we always want this visible proof. Um, But then we often get these signs, these, (laughs) these pieces of proof, and then we discount them. Nah, that has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love the character of God and who he is because he doesn't care if you believe it or not. He will keep working miracles in your life. Whether or not you recognize them or appreciate them, doesn't matter. He's the father, we are the children. He wants to give to us endlessly. But when we do see it as coming from him, that builds a bond for us because we're human beings. We're not a deity. We need proof. That's mm-hmm. the way we work. That's why it's so important to come to the rooms because we need to see the miracle happening for other people because if it's happened to you, I might have a chance. Um, I just had this discussion with the air conditioner, air conditioning repair guy that came into my condo and I don't remember how we got onto the topic. Um, I think he asked me what I was studying and I said Mm. I was in seminary studying to be a pastor and he said, he turned to me, he goes, do you really think that there's like a God out there? Oh my God, you must salivate for a moment like that, right? Well, what's interesting is what comes to me in the moment depends on what the Holy Spirit allows me to speak is dependent upon that person. Mm -hmm. So instead of me talking about a thousand reasons why I believe there's a God, I said, well, listen, I'm an alcoholic in recovery and I go to these meetings and I've been going to these meetings and in recovery for eight years and I go to these rooms where 100%, not 100%, Um, most of the people that are in there Mm -hmm. have done nothing else than surrender their will and their life over to a God of their understanding and have been freed from the ravages of addiction. And all they did was go outside to something Mm. bigger than themselves. That's how I know there's a God because these people are living in recovery because of this higher power. And yes, the, the critic or the atheist would go, well, maybe they're just surrendering to a higher version of themselves. Okay, Whatever it is, I choose to call that power that all of a sudden they've harnessed God. Mm -hmm. And he didn't say anything. He kept working away. He was really nice. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting that the thing that came to me had nothing to do with religion. It had to do with recovery and higher power. That's how I know a God is working. Because I've seen people like Mari, a long timer in the rooms, who was living under a bridge and homeless and had been that way for so long that the the flip-flops on her feet the top part had embedded itself into her skin and she'd been hospitalized in mental institutions and she surrenders her life she gets sober now she's a circuit speaker and she's this beautiful old lady with white hair and wears suits and Mm. (laughs) like what happened there yeah or like you your story about lying in the subway yeah or like me driving drunk every night and crying not knowing how I could stop doing it right like what did we do really we surrender nothing else to what something yeah. bigger than us yeah so that's where I started to believe in God it was not in church or in religion it was in recovery and in spirituality mm. amazing yeah so hopefully that answers your question and- amazing grace <laughs> 
what? Let's just break into song. Let's light a candle. <laughs> Get intense. If I could sing, I would break into song with you, but I can't. We uh, There was a 25-year medallion at this group that I was at last night. Oh. And uh, Stephen um, W. from Bayview Group. Okay. Congratulations, Stephen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they do the cake and they do the singing. They sing happy birthday uh, at the end. And I hear my, I'm standing sort of alone <laughs> and I hear myself singing and I'm like, oh God. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just yes. keep it quiet over here. I have heard people at church recording worship mm-hmm. and post to their Instagram account and I can hear myself in it and I'm like, oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> Thank God I go to churches where the worship is really loud. Yes. Because that's horrifying. <laughs> Why is that off? Oh my gosh. Is that me? That's me. <laughs> oh no. Oh well, God doesn't care. He loves my voice. Just like, you know. He loves your voice. God doesn't care. Remember when you took your dad to your church for the first time? Yes. And your dad was worried because it wasn't he in shorts or something? Yes. And, and I, you know, I believe that too. God doesn't care what you wear to worship. No. So... I, per- I particularly are. enjoy dressing like a slut when I go to church. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a slut. It's sexy. It's not slutty. It's sexy. There's a difference. It's about the posture of your heart. That's what God cares about. That's right. Now, it doesn't mean I'll like preach naked, but hey. You do you at start home. start a naked church. I do at home. <laughs> Worship naked, yeah. preach naked, pray naked. It's the way yeah. I came into the world. Exactly. Like I said, God doesn't care. No. I don't think. No. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap this one up and mm-hmm. we'll try to get to another one. Thanks so much for joining us on Two Sober Chicks. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on Instagram at Two Sober Chicks. It's our wonderful Instagram page with these beautiful little memes. And I don't know. I, I think of them as postcards of hope. Yeah, I like that. And, uh, and we also follow other people, so you might see some posts from other people. And you can message us there, or you can message us by sending us an email at the number 2soberchicks at gmail.com. My wife is out on the balcony. It's like, what, probably 26 degrees out, 28 oh, degrees Oh, no, it's out. 30 for sure. And she is She's she keeps trapped. looking in. So I think maybe we'll take a break and let her in <laughs> off the porch. <laughs> Poor waif. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Oh.